Hey, welcome to Four Corners. I really believe 2012 can be your best year. Now, I don't know that it'll be your best year in terms of all the circumstances of your life being exactly where you'd like them to be. But I believe it can be your best year in the sense that God can be a part of your life like never before. And I believe that the Bible teaches, and I believe the experience of many people in this room and over history has been that when God's a part of your life, regardless of the circumstances, life is just better. We're talking really today and for this entire series about destiny, about your destiny, and what God wants for you. And what, honestly, if you can grab this, I think right now we can like make major motion together as a group. What you really want for yourself, if you had, for instance, the mind of God, if you had the wisdom of God, if you could see what God sees about you and your life, Every one of us would gravitate right to that place that God wants us to be. We would grab hold of it, and we would never, never let go. There's a powerful verse in the Bible that we're going to use kind of as the summary verse for this entire series. You saw it in that little intro video. It's in your Bible in the book of Jeremiah. If you have your Bible and you want to go there, go ahead and open up to Jeremiah. In fact, we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 29, but we're going to start with Jeremiah chapter 1. We're going to start with Jeremiah chapter 1 to kind of understand the background of this guy that talked so much about destiny. Now listen to me. I'm not just talking to you today about the Bible, although that would be perfectly fine. I'm talking to you about the very words of God that God saw fit to record for us in the pages of a book we called the Bible. 66 different pieces of literature written by over 40 different authors over a period of about 2,000 years ago. God left this word called the Bible so that you and I could understand his heart for us. So that we could have a little tool, a big tool, that we could have to understand our place in this world. Are you like me? Do you come to the end of a year like 2011 and think, man, I hope next year's a little bit better. I heard that consistently across the scope of this congregation. I heard it in my own family. I said it myself. I hope 2012 is different than 2011. Well, this church the leadership, we've been getting together for the last several months with different groups of people and discussing personally, on a personal level, what would God like to do in our lives, but also on a corporate level. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to show you some things that I think are going to like blow your socks off. I really do. I think I'm going to show you some things that will open a door for you into your life that has never possibly been opened for, before. For some of you, you've had the door open before, but it's been shut for a while, and God's going to swing the gates open wide for you, and you're going to have a new vigor and vitality that you haven't known in your relationship with God for a long time. And while all that's happening, God is prepping aggressively this church for our next phase. Let me tell you a little bit about this guy by the name of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was what the Bible calls a prophet. Now, here's what a prophet does. A prophet speaks the words of God to people like you and me so that we can understand a little bit about what God says. He kind of interprets principles from God for people so it's understandable, grabbable, so we can actually move forward with it. And Jeremiah lived a long time before Jesus, and he lived in a time that was pretty difficult for the nation in which he was writing, right? He lived in a time that was tough and challenging. There was impending chaos from the north, kind of breathing down their neck, a nation looking at this little nation of Israel, breathing down their neck. And through the course of the, the book, in fact, that's exactly what happens. That nation makes its way into that little smaller nation that Jeremiah is a part of. He's prophesying, he's being a prophet in a time when there's internal conflict going on. 
there's like financial difficulties. Families are experiencing real challenges. The leadership of this country is in chaos. And the hope is at an all-time low. And God comes to this guy by the name of Jeremiah. And I want to read for you. The words won't be on the screen behind me. Just as a prep for what I want you to understand. Because I think sometimes we believe that if God's going to speak, if God's going to really grab hold of our hearts, if we're going to have a new year with God like we've never had before, then the circumstances have to be just right. Everything has to be perfect. I mean, the, the stars have to align. The, the earth has to be in alignment with other planets. You know, things that we can't control have to be in perfect alignment in order for God to really do his work in our lives. And if the story of Jeremiah is anything, it's a story about a situation where that simply isn't true. In the middle of chaos, in the middle of challenges, in the middle of difficulty, God breaks in and blows the socks off of Jeremiah, his country, and through him, literally, the entire world. Let, let, me, let me take you, just, just listen to these words. The words of the prophet Jeremiah written down for us several hundred years ago. Here's what it says. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests in the territory of Benjamin, the little province of Israel he was from. And then it says, the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I wonder if there's anybody in the room today they would like to have a sense that God was speaking to you about a circumstance, speaking to you about a situation. I mean, what was 2011 like? Was it perfect for you? If it was, would you please, if, like, if it was a perfect year, would you please exit now before I get like really angry? Because I just straight up with you, 2011 wasn't perfect for me. It wasn't perfect for our church. It hasn't been perfect for anybody I've spoken with. All of us at some level feel like it's good that we're getting a do-over. I'm not saying it was necessarily the worst year ever, but fresh start. Fresh start is something we, many of us have been looking to. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. It didn't come to him when things were perfect. It came to him when things were difficult and challenging. It came to him when things were not in their right place, when order wasn't happening, when there was real spiritual darkness at work in the land. When there was real disconnect between the promises people believed God had spoken in their hearts and what they were actually experiencing. There was significant challenge and difficulty. And in that situation, the word of the Lord pierced through the dark and brought light to people's lives. And I believe, and when God sees fit to record a story like this in the Bible, it isn't just for God by the name of Jeremiah so we can read it and be encouraged for him. And it isn't just recorded so that we can think that there are some principles about a God who loves us in some distant, detached way. The story of Jeremiah is recorded in the Bible because God wants you and I to understand this very simply. That in the middle of our chaos and brokenness and challenges, maybe when hope is at a low, when the circumstances aren't what we wish they were, there is a God who will break through and speak in the middle of our circumstance and bring light and life. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and calls him to an important task. Listen, listen what it says. Before I formed you in the womb, the beginning of the book, like the first few words, God says to Jeremiah, before I made you, before you were created, put together, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God says to Jeremiah. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you. 
as a prophet to the nations. Now, all of us aren't appointed as prophets to the nation, but the principle here is true, and I want you to grab hold of this. I think, again, if you can grab hold of this truth that we're going to explore today and put it down deep, let it be the bedrock of your spiritual walk for 2012, I think it will change everything. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. What that means is that before you and I were a thought in our parents' head, God had a destiny for us. God had a plan and a purpose for us. Before we even began, he knew us fully. Before I formed you. And not only did he know us and understand us, the Bible says that our days are numbered in his book before we're even created. The Bible says that God writes out our lives before it even begins. That he has design and purpose and intention there before we even got started. Not only is that true, but he has appointed us. He has appointed. God has tapped you, as it were, and me on the shoulder. And he says, I have a life I want you to live. And it's a life that if you had my wisdom, if you had my understanding, you would choose it for yourself. You would. You would gravitate there. You would run towards what God already wants for you. The challenge is we don't have God's wisdom. And sometimes the circumstances of our lives speak so loud. And sometimes people do things to us that distracts us away. And sometimes we're ignorant of what God wants. But if we understood it, if we could grasp it, we would run towards the destiny that God has for us. I believe here today, in this room, there are a few hundred people that God has literally tapped on the shoulder and said, I've appointed you. You have a call on your life that you're not supposed to just exist. You have a design, you have a purpose, you have a place in this world. Around here, it's no secret that we regularly call people to get into a relationship with Jesus. I want you to think about something with me. We regularly call people to get into a relationship with Jesus because we believe that a relationship with Jesus, an active participation with God in your life, makes all the difference. But think about this. Why is it that God doesn't immediately take people to heaven the moment they begin walking with him? I mean, it would make sense. On some days, I kind of wish he would do that. The moment I commit my life to him, he's like, Ben, I have a perfect existence for you and a perfect world where everybody's perfect. You'll be perfect. They'll be perfect. Everything will be perfect. And it's called heaven, and I'm going to take you right now. Why doesn't God, the moment we begin a relationship with him, we put our faith and trust in him, why doesn't he take us away immediately? I can tell you why. Because between the moment we give our lives to him, And the moment he does secure eternity for us in heaven, there is a purpose for all of us to walk and live. There is a destiny. There's a tapping on the shoulder. There is literally a job description that God has put in front of us. And it's a a job description. It's a destiny you and I would grab hold of if we had the mind of God. And God was in this moment in Jeremiah's life kind of pulling back the curtains and saying, listen to me. Behind all the stuff going on, behind the craziness of your life, behind your disappointments brought into your life because of your poor choices, because of the disappointments brought into your life because of the choices of other people, because of the disappointment and challenges in your life brought on by circumstances beyond your control, he pulled back the curtain and let Jeremiah see this reality that in the middle of all of that, you have a divine call. And it's true for us as well. 
And he uses Jeremiah's story all the way through the book to show how that God can use anybody, any one of us, to do his purpose in this world if we'll grab hold of what God speaks into our lives. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, before I formed you, I knew you. What this means for us, before we even like grab hold of the ultimate thing I want to talk to you about, is that God knows everything about you. So if you came here today and you were thinking, man, if they understood what I've been through and what my life's been like, they wouldn't even let me in church. Like if you came in the door kind of going, it might fall down if I walk through. If that's where you're coming from, God already knew that about you. He saw your future before you even began. And he says to you in the middle of that, I want you to know something. I have a place for you. I have a purpose for you. There is a destiny for you to walk. And this year as a church, we have recaptured that strong sense of destiny. For eight months or more, actually going on two years, but for eight months with great clarity, we've been having conversations around our staff table and with our volunteer leadership teams around this church about what is our purpose as a church. And so we sat down with people and we asked questions like this. What if somebody started coming to our church and they stayed for five years, attended every Sunday relatively almost, got involved in serving, committed their life and heart to walk with Jesus in this community called Four Corners. How would their life be different at the end of five years? That's that's a good question. And so we, we wrote down all kinds of answers. Various groups of people, different demographics, various roles of serving in the life of our church, very committed, not so committed, various levels of giving, give, give a lot sacrificially, don't give, you know, sacrificially at all. And we began to just record some of these stories, and some of these answers, and some of these, you know, inputs from people. And the results have been absolutely dramatic. They have, they've opened up this leadership of this church to understanding something about the call of God on this church that I think we've always known, but we've not known it like we know it now. We have a new, a renewed sense of what God has called us to do. We opened up the pages of the Bible and we started asking questions like, what is the purpose of church anyway? I mean, really, what are we here for? I mean, are we really, as some have said, just keepers of the aquarium? You you might know that Jesus called us to be fishers of men, but often it seems like churches really are about keeping aquariums than they are about going out and doing any fishing. Is is that that, that what we're about? Are we simply a, a social service agency where we get together and do some good? Or is there something deeper and more and greater and grander? We heard from many of you, whether you know you said it or not, the pieces begin to click together for us. The puzzle began to emerge that there is a destiny for each person. And our job as a church is to help people find their destiny in God. It's a destiny that we can't orchestrate. I joke regularly and I say, Ben loves you and has a plan for your life. I tell my kids that all the time. And they're like, Dad, come on. It's a joke. I mean, I'm, I'm kidding. But, but sometimes it might feel that way. I mean, it could be that you had a parent who loved you and had a plan for your life and it really wasn't your plan necessarily and you felt constrained by that. I think churches do that sometimes do. We've rediscovered that God's call on this church is to help each person find their destiny. 
destiny. And in the story of Jeremiah, we hear in his example what we think is the heartbeat of most people. Most of us need a fresh word from God. Not simply a word we understand from childhood, not simply a word that moved us last year, but a new living word from the Lord that speaks into our lives, even if it comes from the ancient book called the Bible, even if it comes through the mouth of a preacher or a small group leader or a, or a, a children's ministry leader, that the word of the Lord is powerful in our lives and making room for that is a big deal for us. Most of us need a fresh word from God. And I'm a, let me just submit this to you. If 2012 is going to be significantly different for you spiritually, it's going to require you grabbing hold of the words of the Lord that he speaks into your life. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, before I knew you, I formed you. Before I formed you, I knew you. And, and I appointed you. I have a call on you. Now I want to take you to the verse later on, several chapters into his life, that as he's struggling to come to terms with what that means for him, he gravitates towards. He writes down, and it speaks powerfully to our circumstances. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Here's what Jeremiah writes to his country about the plans that God has for them. L listen, listen to these words. Let, let, them, let them sink in. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And then we often don't hear the last part of this section of the scripture. And then it says, then you'll call on me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. There's going to be this partnership with God in your life. And you'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. I believe that God has a destiny for each person. Let me, let me tell you how I see it in my head. That when the idea of you was conceived in the mind of God, long before it was conceived in your parents' mind, God decided that you would be a person he would bring into this world. And he made you perfectly complete. I mean, he knit together every single thing about you. That part that we can't see through a telescope or a microscope. He knit those invisible parts. We call it soul or spirit. And he put it fully together. And you were perfect and complete. And the Bible doesn't say this explicitly, although I think it's good theology. I believe that just before the moment you were born, just before the moment you were conceived, God surgically removed a piece of who you are. You were whole and complete, and he removed a piece of that called your destiny or your purpose. And he allowed you to be born without that peace in place. And here's why he did it. He decided that your purpose and destiny could only be found as you pursued him. That if you would pursue him, he would reveal to you your purpose and destiny. And then when you were discover your purpose and destiny, you would have something far greater than simply your purpose and destiny. You would have an active relationship with the creator of the universe, the one who knit you together and wired you up to begin with. He created a void in our life that causes many people to go searching and seeking far outside the bounds of what we would all consider wise and, and smart. It causes some people to gravitate towards money and career and find their identity in things. It causes some high school young ladies to think that their identity is found in what other people say about them, so they end up making all kinds of compromises to keep some guy happy. It causes young men to find their identity in what they do, and they think that if they have a certain title over their door or a certain cap on their head, then that makes them special. And that longing, that desire for purpose that we have, 
I believe, is put there by God to cause us not to search after those things, but to move ultimately towards Him and to find our fullness and completion ultimately in Him. I think you were designed perfectly incomplete. And God surgically removed a piece, created a void in you. The author Solomon in the Bible words it it this way, that God puts eternity, the quest for eternity, the quest for significance for eternity in the hearts of each person. That's what he says in the book of Ecclesiastes. I think that God does that to us so that we'll search him. What that means is if you and I come to the end of 2011 and we don't feel full, fulfilled, we don't feel complete. We feel like there's still more to do. We're not satisfied with where our walk with the Lord is. We're not satisfied where our marriage is. We're not satisfied where our relationship with our kids are. We're not satisfied with what we've done with our time or our money. We're not satisfied with the impact we're making. God would say on some level, listen, I don't mean for this to be painful. He would say on some level, good, good. Because I want that desire you have to have things in their right place, to have that sense of fulfillment, that sense of purpose. I want that to drive you towards me. Jeremiah says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans for a hope and for a future. And then when you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me and you're going to find it. I think your 2012 will be dramatically different. I think you'll come to December dramatically different if you will run towards God this year. If instead of running towards all other kinds of things, you'll run towards God. And I think this is why God put the church on this earth so that we would, like the prophets of old, regularly remind people that all of us have a divine destiny. I don't care what your second grade teacher said about you. And I don't care what some adult, well-meaning as they may have been, spoke over you. And I don't care what your failures and your past have spoken loudly into your life. And I don't even care about your personal failures. There is a God who pulls back the curtain and lets us see behind the scenes that he is not done with you. He's not done with me, and he's not done with our church. He is still pursuing us and calls us to pursue him. And if we, as a church, do anything at all this year, our goal is on a very personal, individual level. Jeremiah's call was prophet to the nations. I don't know what yours is, but we've made a commitment on an individual level for each of you that will to help you discover the purpose of God for your life. And if you know it and you're just not moving forward, we make a commitment to you to help push you, encourage, and call you towards the purpose God has for you. And if you've known it and you're, you used to like walk in it and be free and experience the smile of God in the fullness of your heart, and that's been lost for a while, our prayer for you is that you would experience a personal revival and that God would use us to help bring that to you. We think that if everybody in Westchester and Liberty and Mason and Fairfield and Hamilton and Sharonville and Loveland and Cincinnati and Middletown and Monroe, if every single person knew their purpose in God, it would radically change our entire community. I wish they would let me in every public school 
so that I could help young people discover before the world speaks lies in their life and they have time to live, live it out. I wish the, the schools would let me in and help every person understand that they have a divine purpose in God. If every student could understand that, we wouldn't have to teach them how to be good and avoid bad. We would be able to teach them that there's a call on their life. And for each kid that grabs hold of that call, they'll avoid this on their own. And they'll run into the arms of a God that loves them and a purpose that is met for them. We won't have to pass out condoms in school. We won't have to wonder about whether or not prayer is going to come back in school. We won't have to worry about those challenges because on our own, we would run towards God's design for us. This is my heart for you as a church, that you would run towards God's design for you. That whatever weight is holding you back, you would shake it off. And you'd run towards your purpose. That you would believe God when he speaks his words into your heart. I know the plans I have for you. Listen to me, ladies. If you're married, every man in this room has a purpose. I believe inside of each man, there's a king and a kid. I do. It's true in my life. And my wife holds an unbelievable power over me in a good way. She can speak to the king or she can speak to the kid. She can call towards my purpose and my destiny in God or she can speak to the other side of me. And she has a profound influence to help me walk in my destiny. And you have the same ability in your life to speak to the people that God has put into your life. Men, the women that God puts into our lives, they have profound destiny. They have profound purpose. And I have found, this is just me talking, in my marriage, when I speak to the woman that God is creating in my wife, and I speak to that purpose and that design and to that potential, it changes the tone and tenor of my marriage. And when I speak to the other side, that sounds like I'm here to fix her, and I'm here to be critical of her, and I'm always reminding her of what... When I speak to that side, and I don't speak to the potential that God's building into her, it changes the tone and tenor of my marriage. When I speak to my kids about God's purpose for them, not just avoiding sin, not just remaining pure to their marriage, not just having sexual integrity after their marriage, but when I speak to the purpose of God in them, even at a young age with my young John Ryan, who's eight years old, I see something happen in his eyes when I speak about the man that God wants to make him to be. My son Connor's on the verge of being a teenager. There have been these moments, and there will be more of them as God has brought this fire up in me. When I've been able to speak to him about the man that God wants to make him to be, and you can see him. He's hanging on to every word. It's much better than me simply speaking words of correction and reproof. You have a destiny. I don't know what lies you've gravitated towards or have been spoken over you or are speaking loud in your life or casting a shadow over that. We need to shake those off. I know you've had disappointment. So have I. I know churches have disappointed a lot of us in this room. I know I've disappointed many of you. That's why you can't put your faith in me. You know why I'm so glad to be a part of a church that's bigger than me? Because I know some of you come, and this is, this is the way God works. You get energized by the music much more than you get energized by me preaching. And that's good with me. 
Because I'm part of something bigger than just Ben. Not the Ben, you know, the Ben club here. Thank God. It's only, that, that club has a membership of one. It's called Jill. And there's no room for anybody else. You know? We're good. It's like the club is full. Doors are closed. We're set. All right? We're, we're good. But you come, and some of you, you get connected in small groups. Some of you get connected in church. That's awesome. God's purpose for your life will dovetail to a much bigger picture than just a simple vision that says he wants you to be happy. What if God gave you this life to make you walk in purpose and holiness before him rather than just to make you happy? And what if your real sense of joy and peace can only come if you gravitate towards that purpose and call? And if you run towards happiness, it will always be elusive and fleeting. But if you run towards purpose and meaning, you'll have something that will linger like it did in Jeremiah's life, where at the beginning of his life, he hears God say to him, you have purpose. And near the end of his journaling in chapter 29, he's still ringing the chorus true. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I think 2012 can be radically different for you. I'm not promising any circumstance specifically will change, but I can tell you on the authority of God's word and by the power of his spirit that he says, if you will move close to him, he will move close to you. And I'm telling you, that will make all the difference. How do you grab hold of God's word in a way that it speaks loud and consistent in your life? I don't have time to preach this. I will save this message for another day. But I want to give you one practical tool very quickly that we'll tease out later. Jesus' brother on this earth, his name was James. And when Jesus goes to heaven, James becomes a major leader in the church. And in James chapter 1, there's a powerful verse that tells us a practical tool that we can use beginning right now to begin moving in the purpose and in the destiny that God has created us for that I think will help us shake off the lies, that whatever failure, disappointment, and dark clouds are hanging over your life right now, if there are any, I think it will cause them to begin to drift in the other direction, away from you. Here's what James says as the Holy Spirit moves on him to write these words. Do not merely listen to the word, the word of God, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Don't merely listen to that. I think we have a tendency in church sometimes to think that because we came and heard, because we came and put in our time, that somehow we did what we were supposed to do. The purpose of this church will never be realized if that's our mentality. And the purpose for your life will never be realized if your mentality is as I came and put in my time and I sat in an environment and heard the word. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Now listen, in the Bible, when it uses the phrase deceive yourselves, that's a bad thing. It's to be avoided. You put red marks over that section of your life. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And then he says very clearly, do what it says. And then he gives us a really good example, all right? Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And I know something about you most of you anyway, at least it appears this way to me, that before you came to church today, you looked in a mirror. Most of you. You know, there's a couple of you, a couple of guys in the band, their hair's a little messed up, I'm not sure. It's a joke. That's a joke, gentlemen. I'm, I'm just kidding. But anybody that, that, like, hears the word but goes away undoing what it says, like not engaging, is like a man or a woman who looks at his face in the mirror 
and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I think sometimes we are guilty. Let me just speak for me. Of being in God-inspired environments. Like, like, like spiritual moments sometimes in my home. Moments in a church. Even things that happen. And we experience it and we're moved and we're stirred. Maybe we get the chills up our back, but it doesn't really grab us. I think sometimes we're guilty of what James is trying to make sure that his readers are not guilty of. Of hearing and being moved and being stirred, but not really doing what it says. The quickest way to get off the highway towards your destiny is to be a hearer of the word, but not a doer. It will inoculate you to the move of God in your life. You'll be desensitized to the whisper of the Holy Spirit in your life if you're regularly in an environment where God's stuff is being spoken, but you never take action on what you hear. It literally will inoculate you. You'll be able to have more and more moments of God and less and less ability and desire and motivation to actually do anything about it. James says, don't do this. Don't be like a guy that looks in a mirror and thinks about it and then goes away and does nothing about it. Can I just speak candidly as a pastor for just a second? Some of us in this room, we have a relationship with Jesus. But we have been guilty of being spiritual without really being changed by the Spirit. We've been guilty of being religious without really having an active relationship with the God who is at work in our lives. 2012 with God will be no different for you than every other year if you and I don't do what God speaks into our lives. So we've been listening as a congregation to what, as a leadership to what our congregation has been saying. And we feel like God has given us profound insight. Like, like timely word of God insight for this church. And over the next three weeks, I'm going to explain that. I'm going to give every one of you words to help people understand why you like church. I'm going to give you words to help your friends understand why you like it. Rather than just saying to them like I have to do, hey, I think you should just come because I think you like it. I'm going to give you words to help you understand what God's doing uniquely in this place. It has nothing to do with a building. Although this year we're going to have one. It's not going to be all that long either. I'll tell you a little bit about that as well. It's going to be exciting. But what I'm most excited about is that more and more and more people are experiencing their destiny. They're gravitating. They're being hearers of the word. And they're being doers of the word, as James encourages us to do. See, I think rather than a grand move of God's spirit being the only thing you need, I think you need the grand move of God's spirit in your life. And then you need to do what God puts in front of you. And I think those two things together, working in tandem, the move of God and your full cooperation, coming together in partnership, will make this year like you've never... I think it will change your marriage. This spring semester in small groups, we're focusing on marriages. For people who are married, for people who aren't married, we're discovering the spiritual truths about it. For those that have been hurt in marriage, we're helping you understand what didn't happen and how you can have freedom and healing. We're, in, in one sense, it's all things marriage because we believe that God wants to do renewal there. But we could just talk about it and we could share profound truths. We could impress each other with our profundity. But if we don't do what God's called us to do, the simple truth for you today is you and I need to do what God speaks 
So let me just ask you on the two sides of that coin, hearing God's word in a way that speaks to your life or doing the word that is spoken, which one do you need? Which do you need? I don't know for you. I don't know for you. But in a moment, we're going to pray about those things. Whether you need to be in a place to pursue the purpose that God has for you, to pursue the void, but rather than simply trying to fill it with stuff, fill it with God. Or if you have enough to get started and you need to start doing what he's already put in front of you to do. Either one of those, whichever is the right one for you as God's spirit directs, it will change this year. It will radically shift your circumstances. It will radically shift what happens inside of you as you live in the middle of your circumstances. And as a church, our commitment is to help you do that. We do not have a plan for your life. We believe God does. And we would love to partner with you this year in a fresh way, in a new way. Some of you have been with us from day one. We want to partner with you in a new and a fresh way to discover that, to live that out, to ask, what has God put on your heart about the world, about family, about, about career, about life, whatever it is for you? We want to hear that. We want to create environments where you can hear the word of the Lord and where you're encouraged to take steps on what you hear. Next week, and over the next few weeks, I'm going to describe for you the phrase, real love now. Real love now. Those are the words that God has spoken to our heart. And they're powerful for us. And they're going to give you adequate language to explain to people and to know yourself why it is that God is at work in your life here and why if they came here or to other good churches around our city, God could work in their lives as well. Would you do this? Would you grab your Connect card? And let's take a few steps together. We really value beginning a relationship with God, so if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the very first time today, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. We think that there is not a more important decision for you to make. And you maybe you weren't able to be here last year for the first Sunday of the new year, but you're here today and your commitment is to have a relationship with God. Don't leave here today without doing some business with Him. Just simply say, God, I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness at work in my life. I need the power of the Holy Spirit partnering with me in my life. You can do that in prayer with your own words, or you can use the words I'm going to say in just a moment. And then by faith, check that card and let us send you some information to encourage you on the path God has for you. Some of us in the room, we've already done that. We need to get baptized. Check the box, and our staff will contact you, and you'll love the conversation they have as you get ready to go public with your faith. And the next step, C. I wonder if anybody would say, Ben, I have some application to begin doing this week. The gap between what you already know to do and what you're doing is already large, and you want to lower that gap. God's already spoken word. You already know it. And you need to start moving. If that's you, just check the box as a sign of repentance and know that you are not alone. That's me right there. Like, just to be honest, that's me. God has spoken words to me that I need to make action on this year that I've been let lay fallow for far too long. And he wants to energize that. So if that's you, check the box in your staff, in this leadership team. We will pray with you and for you. Next step, D. I'm going to attend the next three Sundays here at Four Corners in order to understand and walk in the direction of my destiny. I think everybody in this neat room needs to experience real love now. I really do. And I think you have neighbors and friends who need to experience real love now. But you can't give what you don't have. I mean, you can't be a light to your family unless the light grow bright in you. So 
I want you to come and explore this together with us. And then next step B, this is just for a select few. This is not an all call. In fact, I was hesitant to make this an all call, like in this option for all of us. But I think God's Spirit might energize something right here. I'm going to join with Pastor Ben in 21 days of prayer and fasting leading up to January 29th. And for the men in the room, that's Pro Bowl Sunday, right? The week before Super Bowl. I'm doing something called a Daniel fast. Now listen, if this is foreign to you, ignore me right now. But if you feel a quickening of the Holy Spirit on your life right now that you're supposed to engage in fasting, let me show you the book that I'm working through as I do this unto the Lord to hear from Him and to have the boldness that He's called me to have. I'm reading a book called The Fasting Edge by a guy guy by the name of Jensen Franklin. It's a new book. You can order it on Amazon. The Kindle version's under 10 bucks. The hardback's just over. This is the book I'm reading to let God speak to me. I'm not going to end January without hearing from God fully everything he wants to speak. And I'm not going to end January without taking major steps. I'm not letting one-twelfth of this year get past me without me moving further this year than I did last year. That's my commitment as I feel God moving on me. And my commitment and the staff's commitment and this volunteer team's commitment to you is we will help you every step of the way you want. That's why we use our commitment cards and our communication cards to take next steps together. All right, let's pray about some things and let's worship our awesome God. Lord Jesus, thank you for new beginnings. God, thank you for a guy by the name of Jeremiah. You come to him and you speak words and then he lives it out in real life. And you saw fit to record his story for us in the pages of the Bible. God, our prayer is for those folks in the room who need to begin a relationship with you. They're saying in their hearts, God, I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. Would you take me anyway? And they're receiving your grace, Lord. They're making you their Lord and their Savior. God, we pray for those people who need to hear your word. God, whatever they need to do to carve out the time, fasting, prayer, church attendance, honest conversation, whatever they need to do, Lord, that they would put them in the place, themselves in a place to hear from you. And God, for those of us that need to act on what we've heard, I pray, God, you would give us boldness to do it. To live, Lord, for you and not worry what anybody else says. And God, I pray that as a church, but as individuals as well, we would live in our destiny, in our purpose. We wouldn't cover over the void with activity and stuff. We would move towards you, Father. God, as we unpack what it means to have real love now, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do its full work in us. That you'd wipe away every lie. You'd bring the power of the Spirit to bear in our lives. You would break the chains of sin. That you would bring forgiveness where there has been bitterness and hurt. God, you would bring renewed calling where it has been distant. You you would rejoin relationships. You would renew marriages. You would give purpose to our parenting. I pray all this in the powerful and holy name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen.